When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, whether Steve Hansen helps Australia or not to win the World Cup at the moment, they're 10 bucks, Louis. The All Blacks, $3.50 are now the favourites. Yeah, a little bit surprising. Um, I guess, well, maybe not if you think about Inzamac's uh, injury. France is actually down to fourth in the world on the world ranking points, but then I wonder if that's made a difference. It's a home World Cup, though, and, and a generational set of players, so I just wouldn't be writing them off. What are they drifted out to? Would they be half, out to $4, I imagine, if, if they're... Well, probably about that, wouldn't it? Yeah. France are 4 bucks, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Ireland 5 bucks, South Africa 6 bucks. Mm, very interesting. It almost is. <laughs> it's it's almost like watching a market move, watching the texts come in, people disagreeing with uh, Andrew Gordy's take on Steve Hansen. Boy, there's some passion coming through on the text line today. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Talk about passion. There's passion in Florida and Miami about football, and we're going to talk to Jeff Carlisle, ESPN US uh, soccer correspondent, about that very matter after the break. News here with Aroha. Fourteen seventy-six AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Kia ora, good morning. I'm Anu Hathaway with SENZ News. The National Party's raked in over seven times more in donations than the Labour Party since the start of 2021. That's according to an RNZ report raising concerns about political donation rules being tilted towards money. Victoria University Senior Research Fellow Max Rashbrook says current rules favour parties on the right of the spectrum whose supporters tend to be wealthier. Meanwhile, the Greens are happy with their election campaigning efforts thus far, up two points in recent polling. But even if they could form a coalition with National, Co-leader Marama Davidson said their philosophies were worlds apart on AM. National are going in the opposite direction. They want to open up more fossil fuel drilling and exploration, continuing to whip up divisiveness and fear and ignorance. A business owner in Picton hopes that the maintenance of the inter-islander ferries is done in time for the summer season. Only the one ferry has been running this morning with two out of action. Villa Backpackers owner Rob Byrne on One News. My wish is that whoever the incoming government is going to be gives the money to Kiwi Rail to make sure the ferries are delivered on time. And Fire Festival, arguably the biggest cock-up in event history looks to be getting around too. The festival in the Bahamas was such a screw-up it landed its instigator Billy McFarland in prison for fraud. He's now out of prison and has announced Fire 2 is scheduled for the end of 2024 in the Caribbean. Tickets are on sale now for around $840. SENZradio.nz Sport next. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. 
US-based Kiwi steeplechase competitor George Beamish has finished fifth in the men's event at the World Athletics Championships in Budapest. It's a best ever finish by a New Zealand man in a track event in the 40-year history of the championships. The 26-year-old Beamish only made his senior steeplechasing debut in April this year. This was only his eighth 3,000-metre steeplechase. And Pep Guardiola will miss two matches. The Man City manager has been undergoing back surgery following severe back pain. More Inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZradio.nz Auckland weather, partly cloudy today with the chance of an afternoon shower or two. Southerlies easing this afternoon, a high of 14, dropping to an overnight low of 5. You can catch live commentary of the One New Zealand Warriors taking on the Dragons from 7pm Friday on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, to borrow a line from our next guest, Major League Soccer didn't have to wait long for its cherished Lionel Messi moment into Miami, the team which famously lured arguably the greatest football player of all time to the MLS, has famously won the League's Cup only a month after having the fewest points of any team in the MLS. It's a hard story to comprehend, actually, because of the scale and unlikelihood of it all happening, but it has, and uh, Lionel Messi is now intrinsically tied to American soccer through into Miami. Into Miami, uh, uh, the the question for many now is, uh, how far can this go? How good can this team actually be? Renewed ability and confidence, the confidence which comes from having the goat on your side. Well, Jeff Carlisle is ESPN's US soccer correspondent. Has written a really long piece, which we encourage you to read on ESPN.com. There is so much interesting detail in it. Jeff, thank you for your time today. Pleasure to have you on board. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Can we go back uh, to the the start, Jeff, if possible, when you first heard and reported that uh, Messi was on the the fishing line for the Inter-Miami franchise, uh, would be the biggest fish they ever caught, of course. Could you believe it was all about to unfold? I couldn't really. I, you know, when it when you come down to it, I, I really thought that that Messi would find some way to go back to Barcelona. Um, it didn't seem like he wanted just to hit PSG, and and certainly some of the things he said since he arrived in Miami backed that up. Uh, you know, and then the Saudis came in and just made a, you know a crazy big offer, and the fact that he's a kind of a tourism ambassador for the country, you thought you know that they would kind of pit Miami to, to, to you know, uh, Messi's signature. But, you know, i got to give the ownership of Inter-Miami a lot of credit. Um, it's the Moss brothers, uh, Jorge and Jose, as well as David Beckham. And, and they never gave up, and they, they really did, you know, quite a sales job on Messi, you know, just talking to him about the possibility of, of transforming the sport uh, on an entire continent uh, in, in, a, in a country that's, you know, obviously massive in terms of, of the U.S. So, you know, like I said, I, I give them a ton of credit. They they never gave up. They stuck to their task. And then, you know, family is everything, too. And so I think the appeal of of living a more normal life uh, in Miami, I, I think that really appealed to Messi. Now, granted, you know, normal I put in, in quotes because 
You know, it's mm. not like he can just go out into uh, into public and, and not expect to be noticed or not expect to, you know, to have people ask for his autograph or whatnot. But, um, you know, they, they'd been to the area before, they'd vacationed there, and, and so there was already, already kind of an affinity for the place. And so uh, I think you add all those things up, and it, it, it ended up making a lot of sense for, for Messi and for MLS and for Inter-Miami. How much of a part did Beckham play in this, do you reckon? You know, I think Beckham brings some credibility to, to the equation. You know, obviously he was a big-time player. I mean, he was probably, you know, easily one of the most recognizable players uh, on the planet. Um, and the fact that he, he played in MLS with the LA Galaxy, um, I think he could speak to some firsthand experience in terms of what it's like to play in the league. You know, what are some of the, the great parts about it? What are some of the, 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 the difficulties? You know, obviously... It's a big country. The travel is, can get pretty crazy just in terms of, you know, multiple time zones that you have to travel through. Um, there's, you know, pretty wide-ranging differences in weather and altitude. And, and, you know, those are kind of difficult things uh, to put up with. But, I mean, I think the travel is the biggest one of all. I remember when Steven Gerrard came to MLS, you know, the fact that he was gone for three, four days at a time on, on a, just for an away game, I think that kind of shook up his family a little bit. And so... Uh, you know, Beckham could certainly speak to, to those kinds of experiences. And, you know, he, he could just, you know, I think the Moss brothers could talk about the financial impact and, and, and you know, what Messi would get out of it personally in terms of his finances. But, but Beckham could talk more about the, the soccer and, and what it's like to play in the United States and Canada. So, um, you know, I think he was a key part as well. Okay, so uh, let's look at Messi on the field. Has his performance been the, uh, I mean, has it transformed the side from where it was? I mean, the old adage, one man doesn't make a team. I mean, has he blown that theory out of the water? Well, I mean, to a degree, yeah. But, I, you know, it wasn't just Messi that came in. You know, Sergio Busquets came in, Jordi Alba came in. And I think uh, a key kind of overlooked component of all this was bringing in Tata Martino as manager. I mean, obviously, he and Messi have, have worked together, you know, at Barcelona. They worked together with Argentina's national team. So there was already a familiarity there. And, and I think that added a level of comfort for Messi. And, you know, Martino is a guy who's had success in MLS before. He managed Atlanta United. Uh, they, they won a league title with him as manager. So, he, again, he's another guy who's familiar with kind of, you know, how you have to manage players through some pretty hot and humid summer months, you know, especially in a place like South Florida. Um, so I think it, it wasn't just bringing Messi along. I, I think, they, you know, I give Miami credit as an organization. I think they, they brought in some players to complement Messi and provide him with support and, and also some cultural familiarity, you know, someone that he could hang out with away from the field. But, um, you know, Messi has also struck all the, all the right notes in terms of ingratiating himself to his new teammates. I mean, I don't know if you saw the end of the game the other night, but, you know, before the trophy presentation, he took the captain's armband that he was wearing and gave it to DeAndre Yedlin, who was the captain before Messi arrives. And so it's, I think it's just little, little steps like that, little gestures like that, that, that really have endeared Messi to his teammates and to the organization and into the whole area. So, um, again, I think he, I think he's happy. I think he's, he's, he's reached a, a level of almost tranquility, if you will, um, because he, he likes the area and, and the fans have embraced him. And, and certainly anyone who followed his last, you know, few months in, in with Paris Saint-Germain, I mean, it wasn't 
uh, a happy relationship. I mean, he was getting booed. I mean, I don't think that's ever going to happen in Miami. So I, I just think you add all those things together, and, and yes, I think to a degree Messi has transformed the team, but I think there have been some other little pieces that have been put in place around him that have helped as well. Well, you mentioned some terrific names around Messi and, of course, the change of manager as well. Uh, I just wonder about the money side of things here. I mean, obviously money's still important to, to, uh, to Messi, uh, but, of course, he turned down the Saudi offer, which you would think would be a bottomless pit almost for a player like that. So um, uh, what about this deal? Uh, you know, uh, just how extensive was the deal to get him there? Well, I think MLS got very creative. Um, you know, they, they brought in Adidas uh, as a partner, so there was going to be that component to it you know, in terms of jersey sales, merchandise, and the like. Um, I think Apple TV, uh, you know, they, they signed a, a broadcast rights deal, media rights deal with MLS prior to the season. And so, you know, part of the growth and subscriptions for that is going to be tied, uh, is going to benefit Messi as well. So, again, it's, you know, if it had just been a pure salary thing, I don't think there's any way that MLS could have competed. But, um, you know, the executives in the league office are, are clever people. And, you know, they were able to come up with a, a financial package that was maybe – a, a, a little bit different than, than what people might expect. You know, pe- you know, people from around the world are looking at this, you know, and looking at how Messi is getting paid that, you know, it might raise some eyebrows, but um, you know, I will say throughout its history, MLS has been pretty nimble, pretty flexible when it ter- when it comes to making player acquisition moves that are, are going to move the needle a little bit. They did it with Beckham back in 2007. And I think they're doing it with Messi now. And uh, again, just, giving him a cut of the Apple deal, getting Adidas involved, and then also, you know, the owners of, of Inter Miami are, are poning up money as well. So, uh, again, it was an attractive package. Again, I, I agree with you, not as uh, lucrative as Saudi Arabia, but lucrative enough to, to make it worth his while to come to the U.S. Jeff, uh, as I, I currently look at uh, the MLS uh, table, um, they sit rock bottom here, uh, 18 points from uh, 22 uh, matches on my latest uh, readings anyway. Uh, where do you see them being able to finish um, in terms of this and, and looking forward uh, to them as a franchise in the MLS? Well, I think if you'd asked me a couple months ago, I would have said that there was no chance that they make the playoffs even with Messi. Um, but just looking at the way that they have just you know, run the table in the league's cup. And granted, it's a new competition. It's or, you know, it's the first year that all the MLS and all the Liga MX teams have, have participated. I mean, there were kind of some dry runs in previous years, but you know, just looking at the way they played in that that competition, um, I don't think there's any reason why they can't make the playoffs. And then once you get into the playoffs, you know, it's it, then it becomes like another cup competition. So it's you know, anything's possible. Um, you know, they played some tough games on the road. You know, they, Philadelphia was, you know, the Philadelphia Union are one of the better teams in the league. Uh, you know, at, at present, they're, they're third in the Eastern Conference out of 15 teams. And so, but Miami swept them aside pretty easily. Um, Nashville was a tough team. And granted, you know, you could say technically that game ended in a draw, but, you know, Miami was on the road. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think, there, there are no limits to, to what they can do this season. Um, you know, just, just seeing the way they play. And, I mean, I got to say, 
the, the speed at which those players have adapted has been astonishing because you, you hear it all the time when, when players from abroad come to MLS. They're like, man, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. This was a lot harder than I thought. The standard was better than I thought. But, um, you know, Messi and Busquets and Alba have, have really hit the ground running and, and just had a ripple effect. I mean, the confidence permeating the entire team is just incredible at the moment. So uh, whether they'll win the whole thing, whether they will win MLS Cup, I mean, again, it's a cup competition, so anything can happen. But I think they have a good enough team now and are playing with enough confidence that they can get into the playoffs and, and definitely do a lot of damage and make a deep run. So, Jeff, uh, we know that Florida and Miami in particular is an area where famous sporting people love to make their home, their residence. It might not necessarily be their sporting base, but they love to live there. They have some uh, wonderful franchises. You've got the Dolphins, uh, you've got the Heat, you've got the Marlins, etc. So how far could Inter Miami and how far could Messi take Miami up the scale of recognition? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, when Messi first came here, you know, I think Jorge Moss, one of, one of the co-owners, he said, you know, there's always going to be a before Messi and an after Messi. And I, I disagree with that a little bit because I think there's a before Messi leaves and an after Messi leaves. And so in, and the question becomes, you know, can they sustain the, the level of interest even while he's still here? I mean, there, there's always a, a danger of, you know, what's sometimes called the circus effect. You know, people see the circus once and they don't really need to go again. Um, you know, I think Messi's staying power is a little bit bigger than that. In fact, a lot bigger than that. But, you know, it, it's going to be important for Miami to, to keep adding big players, to, to keep generating interest so that when Messi does depart, um, you know, they can, they can keep this momentum going. I mean, obviously, Miami's got a huge stadium project that's going on. Uh, they haven't broken ground on it yet because there are some environmental remediation efforts that need to take place there's there's a lot of toxic materials on on the building site so that's kind of delayed things a little bit but you know they're hoping to get that stadium up and running by 2025 which i believe is messi's the last year of messi's contract um but you know that i think is they have big plans for that stadium and and the businesses that are going to sprout up around it and so i think that's one way they're going to establish some momentum but again i think most of all it's going to have to happen on the field and they're going to they're going to continue to have to attract big-name players that, that get people excited. Um, I mean, but there's only one Messi, too. So, I mean, I think that's easier said mm. than done. Right, Jeff, uh, we cannot let you go uh, without uh, talking uh, a little about the uh, the U.S. women's uh, national team, of course. We've just been host co-hosting it down here in New Zealand uh, with Australia. We got a little taste of just how big they were, but, of course, uh, they underperformed in a lot of people's eyes, and I would imagine you agree with that. What about the fallout from that? Uh, has it finished? I mean... How far can this go? And, uh, you know, the stocks of uh, the likes of uh, Megan Rapinoe, et cetera, where do they sit now that uh, people have had a little bit, to, bit more time to reflect? Well, Megan Rapinoe announced her retirement before the tournament even started. Um, you know, so she's no longer going to be on the national team. Uh, Julie Ertz, who's the center back for the U.S., she, she said that, you know, that this was probably her last game or the game against Sweden was her last in the U.S. shirt. So we are still feeling ripple effects. I mean, the coach has resigned. Uh, the general manager of the women's national team, who kind of handled a lot of the logistics and, and helped with roster selection, she's announced that she's not going to return. Um, so, I mean, I think those after effects are still being felt. Um, you know, 
Obviously, there's some question as to whether they even need a GM because the, the USSF, you know, the U.S. Soccer Federation has a sporting director. So, you know, is he just going to run things? I mean, I think there are a lot of open-ended questions. Um, but obviously, the, the search for a new coach has, has started. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to go for as big a name as possible. I mean, Serena Wegman is one name that keeps pop, you know, popping up. But I think uh, the English FA are going to have a little something to say about that because I think they're going to be determined to, to tie her down to a, a long-term contract but uh you know to get back to your original question yes the after effects the ripple effects are still being felt and uh and will be for some time i mean we'll see what other players retire i mean the olympics are less than a year from now so some players mm-hmm. like an alex morgan uh, may may decide to stay on i mean becky sauerbrunn was a big loss i thought not that the, the u.s defense played poorly they were very good, but I think it, it created a ripple effect throughout the lineup that it kind of caused the coach to kind of have to rob some of the strength in midfield in order to shore up the defense. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see a, a Becky Sauerbrunn come back for the Olympics, assuming she's healthy. I mean, obviously, health was a big problem for the U.S., as it was for a lot of teams, to be fair. But, um, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see what players decide to hang them up and, and which decide to hang on. Jeff Carlisle, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thanks very much uh, for... Uh, your thoughts on uh, the Messi side of things in particular. It is uh, an amazing phenomenon, uh, to be perfectly honest, and what he's been able to transform in a short space of time. Uh, we shall continue to follow it very closely from this part of the world. Jeff, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Jeff, it's, uh, Jeff Carlisle there uh, out of uh, the United States, of course, and yes, a US uh, soccer correspondent for ESPN. They are a giant, of course, so uh, they're all over everything happening in uh, that code as uh, they are with every code, actually. It's 11.19 here on SENZ.